Hey, welcome to the Grabs Podcast. I am your host today, Grant Schwalbe. Uh, the point of Grabs Podcast is to document uh, Grabs one real life story at a time because the information that we get out of our NIFRS and fire reporting just isn't good enough. Uh, we want to encourage you all to go to firefighterrescuesurvey.com if you have a grab uh, alive or otherwise and uh, put in the information. That way we can get the information out and, and train on what is real. Uh, today with me, I've got Josh Scott from Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. He's going to talk to us about a grab he had in June 2019. So welcome, Josh. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Good morning, Grant. Yes, I can. And uh, thank you for having me on here and uh, what you guys are doing in Estero and with Grabs Podcast. It's, uh, it's a great tool. So I can tell you that I've been with the City of Sault Ste. Marie Fire Department as a professional firefighter for going on, going into my ninth year coming in March. And I have uh, about a six year volunteer background prior to becoming a professional. Tell us a little bit about your department. Yes, absolutely. Um, the City of Sault Ste. Marie has a population of 75,000 residents. Uh, we cover an area of about 700 and change square kilometers. I did the conversion before talking to you on this podcast. That works out to about 450 square miles. We have uh, four staff stations with frontline trucks. Um, now we label our trucks a little bit differently in Canada than, than the terminology you use in the States. So to kind of clear it up, we would be running three frontline pumpers and then one quint, which we do refer to as a truck um, on scene 24 hours a day or on shift 24 hours a day, we'll have a total of 14 firefighters plus a platoon chief and a communications operator. Um, the way that's divided up amongst the apparatus is the, the Quint truck has three on it. Um, the East end truck has three on it and the West end truck and the downtown truck have four. Um, all trucks have a captain, uh, an operator and then either one or two firefighters on them. We are laid out along the waterfront, the St. Mary's River that connects Lake Ontario to Lake Superior. We have a fan boat downtown that is operated by the downtown crew dynamically. The platoon chief will make the call to send that boat out if needed with the guys or the crew from one pump or the second responding truck sometimes. Um, we cover one municipal airport internationally as a as backup there's a, a secondary aircraft crash truck in the bay out at the airport probably 15 kilometers from our west end station um so we will provide support services using that truck plus one of our own or two of our own apparatus to the airport fire department if need be other than that, Sault Ste. Marie is made up of mostly residential, quite a bit of commercial, and even some heavy industrial. We have a steel plant uh, within our, our city limits that ships steel all across North America. Uh, Josh, tell us about your search culture within your department. I would describe our search culture as, as fairly aggressive. Um, it's not specifically laid out that any particular arriving apparatus is going to be in charge of search and rescue. Uh, we just dynamically deploy as per our platoon chief or incident commander, and we respond kind of to whatever it is that we're arriving to. So, you know, if we're if we're arriving 
and the size up includes the fact that somebody is known to be unaccounted for or a known entrapment, then I mean, search is going to be our first priority and it, it may be completed by the first two apparatuses. Um, otherwise, we move into fire suppression and if information comes up secondhand or later throughout the call, then we'll just transition and, and we'll use whoever's available. Cool. So what do you guys normally get on a residential structure fire? What's, do you guys empty all your stations or what, what's the response model look like? Yes, we do. It's, it's all four stations respond plus the platoon chief to any known working structure fire or any report of an alarm. All right. So take us to June 2019 and let's talk about your grab that you had. All right. Um, on this particular shift, I was working in, in our city's east end, which would typically be staffed with only three on that truck. But due to the time of year, we had more staff than we typically do. Uh, there was four of us on the truck. The call came in at roughly three o'clock in the morning. The call location uh, was in our downtown core, so it's got a heavy amount of older infrastructure. Um, it was towards the west side of our, our downtown district. So running from our city's east end on the truck that I was on is, is a few minutes of a response to get to the particular location. We basically knew we were gonna be last of the party or the fourth due arriving. Uh, the initial on-scene size up from the first arriving apparatus was uh, inclusive of smoke showing. At that time, I don't recall hearing any report of knowing that anybody was unaccounted for. There was partial evacuation. Uh, by the time that we arrived on our truck, we are coming off, bottled up, ready to go as a crew of four. Um, the first due truck had already stretched a line inside the building and had located the seat of the fire. They had entered from the Alpha side, headed essentially straight down a hallway to the Bravo Charlie corner into uh, a single bedroom room. So it's probably important to note that this particular building um, roughly 10 years ago uh, was converted from an older Catholic church into somewhat of a, a rooming house. I believe the intent was to have 12 rooms, 12 apartments, if you will, within this building. So they share uh, a common kitchen, common eating room, common bathroom, shower room, laundry room, and then all the individual rooms are, are more or less just bedrooms. Uh, as our crew arrived and reported to the incident commander, he split our crew and tasked my captain and I with search and rescue. It was at that time that we were told by other occupants from the building that there was a known male occupant that was unaccounted for and had been seen that evening within the building. So we did, we did believe that we had somebody inside, uh, but we weren't able to get a location on which room was his prior to our entry. So since the first new truck was already in, I believe two firefighters and their officer suppressing fire, uh, we headed the same direction, but they went entering on the alpha side. My captain had a thermal imaging camera, uh, I had a halogen, but we weren't stretching a line with us. We were strictly search and rescue. Uh, we opted to go with a left-hand search 
hitting, I believe, four bedrooms down the Bravo side, uh, and then somewhat bypassing the fan room, given the fact that that crew was already in there. We hit another bedroom and then I believe a common bathroom kind of on our way back down that hallway before heading towards the the Delta side of the building. Uh, as we went down the Delta side of the building, that's where the common laundry room, which was a pretty quick, uh, quick sweep or uh, more of a common mechanical room, sorry. So we did a quick sweep in there. We came to a set of double doors, which would lead to the second floor, which we opted to bypass. Quickly cleared a common kitchen dining room, more of a dining room, which is attached to the kitchen realistically. As we're going through the kitchen, I was following the set of cabinetry, walking, we're, we were standing upright, but I mean, kind of crouching. Smoke in the building was heavy, uh, but it wasn't quite zero visibility. And the area that we were in furthest away from the apartment that had the fire in it uh, wasn't terrible for you. You could stand up and it was tenable for us. As we continued on down the countertop through the kitchen, came across uh, a door that was heavily fortified. I believed the door to be an exterior door at the time, but it's plywood and two by sixes, screwed and nailed shut. It certainly, from the inside with the tools that we had, wasn't going to be a viable option as a secondary means of egress if we needed it. So we kind of had to bypass that and continue on. A few feet past that is where I ended up walking right up on on the victim, the, the man that was missing. He was laying prone with his head towards me. I turned to my captain to let him know that I walked up on him and I found him. He had, had collapsed in a doorway uh, that went into a common laundry room. Uh, I kneeled down, kind of picked him up, scooped up under his armpits with my hands locked together on his chest, dragged him back a few feet so that my captain could get around us and pick him up by you mean his ankles, scoop under his legs, and then we would work as a team to take him out. Um, and I remember only moving a few feet, thinking to myself that the conditions aren't even that bad, but but this is, you know, it, it feels so inefficient and exhausting. And he didn't seem like a big guy. You mean that? You mean with a with a size up, he was maybe about 180, 85 pounds in that neighborhood. Nevertheless, I mean, we're moving, we're communicating back and forth. My captain's communicated with his command that we've, we have, in fact, located the patient. And, and we've got him and we're going to come out and head back out the same way that we had come in. So as I'm walking backwards, uh, I felt my bottle press against the door and they pushed the door open and we walked through a doorway into what, at the time, I believed was probably another apartment. But I knew that I'd... I hadn't come that way. This wasn't the way that we came in and not having had a line stretched with us, we didn't have anything to, to follow out. So we were working based on feel and based on memory, how we mapped it coming in. We ended up both coming through the door and the door had an automatic closure on it and shut behind us. And I took the best look that I could, you know, I mean, in the area that we were and confirmed that it was, I mean, it was unfamiliar area. We hadn't come this way. We were in the we were in the wrong spot. I believe we were in another apartment, but not not an area that we had been been in already that we needed to go back out. But I remember feeling absolutely exhausted already, like just from 
searching through the uh, the rooms that we had come through, making our way to the to the part of the building that we were in, defining them, and then moving them the the 12 to 14 feet that we had at that point. I was thinking, it just seems so inefficient. Whatever it is that we're doing, it just seems harder than it needs to be. So I said to my captain, "There has to be an easier way. Like maybe I can maybe I can shoulder this guy." He's not that heavy. If I can put him on my shoulder and just stand straight up, then we can walk out. It's it's hot enough that we can stand up. We can just get him out of here faster. And I remember hearing kind of the surprise, like the shock in his voice when when I suggested that idea. But we opted to give it a try. So we kind of propped him up against the wall in seated position with his back against the wall. I gave him the best bear hug that I could and stood up and then and then pinned my knee against the wall between his legs to keep him elevated so that I could kind of lunge down and hopefully drop his weight over my shoulder, which is what I did. And then I stood up, but it had to be the heaviest squat that I feel like I've ever had to do in my life. And I didn't get any more than three, maybe four steps and said to my captain, this is not going to work. We're going to have to return to what we were doing. So set him down, grabbed him the same way. Um, underneath the arms from behind the head locked in I'm walking backwards back out the door we went and we had to to work our way around by feel coming back in we ended up following essentially the same route back out that we did coming in and as we were coming out the front door EMS was coming down the sidewalk to the building with their stretcher and I remember my captain saying to me don't stop just don't stop keep going until we meet them and we Tossed him up on top with a stretcher, transferred care to EMS, and it was it was all I could do to to peel my face piece off and unzip my jacket and drop my bottle and just get a drink of water and hit some rehab. So it's kind of tough for people to visualize. They're probably questioning. It's like, what's this Josh dude's deal anyway? And I can tell you, Josh is pretty jacked. He we got to do a workout this morning. You're a CrossFit guy. Uh, you smoked the workout, so <laughs> it's not by any lack of of your physical fitness on the other side. Can you talk to me a little bit about physical fitness and that para? Uh, how that parallels what what you just ended up doing? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think so. Like you mentioned, and thank you, by the way. Like you mentioned, I mean, CrossFit is is a big part of uh, my life and my my training style. I mean, at the very least, functional fitness. I think it it's absolutely related to what we do as firefighters. Uh, it it makes the most amount of sense. I mean, work at high intensity, and I mean, and recover, and and then theoretically go again. You know what I mean? That anaerobic style. Um, I think what it comes down to with with firefighting and and what what was going on in this particular case I mean your heart rate's already elevated because you're excited and amped up over you know I mean the the possibility of a rescue and, and doing what we train to do but there's so much of performing a rescue in adverse conditions that is really almost non-functional like it's functional in, in the fact that it needs to be done and it's a practical application, but the, the type of movement and the type of lifting that you're doing, you mean, in a performing a rescue, you mean, doesn't have the same form. It's not disciplined in the same manner. So it's exhausting. It's, it's heavy lifting in awkward positions for in uncomfortable conditions, potentially for extended periods. So it just, it just really it just really played into kind of a, a 
a type of training that is hard to to mimic you know what I mean on the training ground like you and I discussed earlier um it's 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 like moving a hundred and ninety pound bag of of water when you have you mean know, a body that's com- completely flaccid and you're just trying to lock your arms around it you know what I mean you can't get a good grip on it it's just uh it can be tremendously difficult and that's that's why we train i mean i i will say if i didn't train the way that i do on the regular i feel like i you I mean i i would have been letting somebody down i mean i really don't i don't believe for a second that i would have been capable of completing the task that i was given if i didn't do everything that i do every day to prepare myself for it Nice. So let's get back uh, specifics on the search. What would you ex- what would you estimate that distance was in getting that victim out? Now that you look back, the distance from the door we entered to where the victim was located was probably between fifty and sixty feet. I mean, with a couple of jogs around some hallways, um, that would have been the distance that we would have moved that that patient well we tacked on probably an extra 15 going realistically not the wrong way but we backed into an apartment off the hallway that we were trying to make our way down all right what about timeline what was the, from the time you guys got assigned search or arrived air break what what was that timeline like till victim was out from the time that we arrived and were assigned search uh masked up go in so I'll go from well I guess from the time you're asking from the time that we were assigned straight down the hall around the corner clearing seven or eight rooms along the way I don't believe we were in excess of three minutes might seem a little short but I you mean truthfully given the fact that they were you mean single rooms I mean my captain would hold short at the door I would do a pretty rapid you mean aggressive quick search out and down onto the next one, keeping it likely within, you know, I mean, 10 to 15 seconds per room. I think we would have been probably under three minutes by the time we located the patient. Is there anything else you wanted to add? Or once you got done with that fire, a lot of good takeaways on this one. Uh, what would be like the number one takeaway for you that you got to work on or work with, with your guys on after this? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think my number one takeaway would would probably be just how valuable it is to to train to do victim removal and to do it as simply as possible. Like we kind of discussed, you mean privately before the podcast, I've become a huge fan of keeping it as simple as possible. I believe that anything that you you practice to do, any technique that you practice to do in this job you need to be able to do in the dark because realistically those are going to be the conditions if you're making grabs those are likely to be the conditions that you're working in so keeping it simple something you can do with your eyes closed it just it just isn't realistic in my mind to have you know i mean to be to be using a bunch of fancy tools or fancy techniques you got to get in you got to make that grab and you got to be able to get them out Great. Uh, well, I appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing your story. I appreciate your department uh, allowing this to happen. Uh, what we ask from uh, anybody that's listening is if you get a grab, 
uh, or I've had a grab that you would like to share, get a hold of either me, Grant Schwalbe. Uh, you can find me on Facebook or through When Things Go Bad or Residential Primary Search Making the Grab Facebook page. Or uh, if you'd rather, Justin McWilliams. He also records these and is my partner in, in doing this. Uh, you can find him on Search Culture. And if you don't feel comfortable sharing, at the very least, get on firefighterrescuesurvey.com and fill out that information so we can document uh, this stuff and get it back to, to the people that are on the street. So with that, uh, thank you for listening and join us next time.